The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, very special guest, former two-time UFC Fighter of the Night winner, MMA fighter, did a little pro wrestling training as well. He's known as the Silverback himself, Seth Petrozelli. Seth, welcome to the two-man power trip. How you doing? Good. How you doing, man? Thank you for Pretty having me. Pretty good. Yeah, no problem. So what's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, man. What's going on with this? What's going on here? Um... Been extremely busy. Um, I just opened my third uh, martial art facility uh, about a year ago. Uh, wow. So um been extremely busy with that. I opened it in the absolute worst time during lockdown during COVID where the city wasn't dealing with any of the permitting and all that crap. So it was like I definitely lost a good five years off my life trying to <laughs> trying to get it all going and, and started and stuff like that. But now that it is, it's doing it's doing amazing. So um, I'm really happy with that. So what kind of gyms are you doing? You're doing just uh, like MMA gyms or are you doing little wrestling? Um, No. So my first gym is the Jungle MMA and Fitness. We opened that. I opened that uh, back in late 2008, right after the infamous Kimbo Slice fight. <laughs> um, I took all my money and I just dumped it into that gym and opened that gym right away. Um, about four or five years later, I opened a second MMA gym about 30 minutes away. Um, and then, like I said, just last year, I kind of branched off and went back to my roots um, and opened a traditional karate dojo, uh, Japanese karate dojo, uh, which is why where I'm coming from right now, which is why I'm wearing a gi right now. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. So it's, it's actually right down the street from my, my first gym, the jungle. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to get back into my roots. Um, I've loved traditional martial arts since I was five, six, five, six years old when I first started. And uh, I wanted to go back to, um, to doing what I loved. And, uh, that's why I kind of opened this, this third one. So how's it going now though? Going good. Oh yeah. It's going amazing now. Like we're, 
I'm <laughs> I, I'm surprised how good it's going. Like we're just having people coming in left and right. Uh, the jungle's doing great, which is the MMA gym. Um, we actually had to turn people away just because of how busy it is on the mats lately. It's just it's it's crazy the influx of people that are coming to the gym. So it's um, definitely blessed and lucky that that that's happening. And uh, and I mean we we have great instructors there and uh, we treat everyone like like family. So it's it's not surprising to me, but uh, but I'm definitely feeling very lucky that it's that it's going this good for sure. Three gyms, oh boy, that'll keep you busy. Oh man, yeah. I know, I know somebody they don't want in there, like he's losing their mind. Yeah, luckily I have a really good business partner for for my first gym, the Jungle, uh, Mike Lee, who's actually one of my. Uh, I've been with him. He's been my jujitsu instructor for my my entire career. Um, I actually fought. He was my very first fight. His one of his students was my very first fight ever back in two thousand and one, uh, and I knocked out his student. And me and him became friends after that. And um, he's trained me ever since ever since that fight. And uh, we opened that gym together in two thousand eight. So uh luckily luckily i have him he helps out a lot <laughs> so i mean obviously this keeps you busy right i mean doing all this stuff i mean that's got to keep you super busy yeah yeah which is uh i don't have time for for much else but i mean when you do something you love you know like they say you never work in a day but i feel like i'm working but i'm still loving what i do uh so right now i'm just full-time concentrating on the traditional karate aspect of it so i'm i'm rarely at the at the mma gym uh within the past for the past year actually i've been i've been there maybe once a week if that uh but because this the karate gym i'm doing on my own it's just mine so i'm literally there afternoon night all the lesson plans all the instruction all the marketing you know all the business aspects everything is just all me so that's that's definitely taken all of my time <laughs> for sure now you mentioned you opened the first gym the jungle when you beat Kimbo. Do a lot of people still mention that? I mean, they got to still mention that to you a lot, right? I mean, that was huge. Yeah. Like, it's crazy that I didn't think that this far along this, this long after I'd still be, I guess you could say making money off that fight. And yeah, it, I definitely, I mean, they don't come there knowing that Well, some do, I just, they look at the website, they see who I am and they saw that I was the person that did that and they come in, but most of the time they don't really know. And they, they look on the wall and they see some of my old fight pictures and stuff. And they're like, wait a minute, you were the guy that did that? Like, oh, and they think it's so cool. And, you know, obviously it kind of keeps them, I guess it keeps them around. It keeps them interested and stuff like that. It's kind of a cool thing to have their instructor be the guy that knocked out Kimbo, I guess. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's funny. Amazing. Like looking back, what was like the, the thought process, like going into it? Because did you know like a day in advance or you didn't know until you showed up that day you were fighting him? No, not even when I showed up that day. Um, I was still on an undercard fight. Um, up until about maybe an hour and a half before I went on into the cage. Uh, so yeah, they came in the back room. I uh, said, we got a situation. You want to, you want to fight Kimbo slice? Just like that. Just like, just matter of fact, like we had a situation. Do you want to fight Kimbo slice? I'm like, yeah, I didn't even think twice. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, sure. How much are you going to pay me? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it was just, just like that. And I had my hands wrapped at the time. I remember cutting the wraps off because I had a little bit of time to, before I went on. So I cut the wraps off got my mind situated, you know, right. And then, yeah, I just went out there and, and did what I had to do. But I always tell people every time they ask me that, how I felt and stuff is, it was strange because it was the only fight my entire career that I had no, uh, I always get, everyone gets pre, you know, pre-fight nerves and they get scared. They get, they wonder in their head what's going to happen. I didn't have any of that for that fight. It was just like, oh, whatever happens, happens. This is just a cool opportunity. I'm just out there going to have fun and do what I do. And and it's funny that it worked out that way. Now you weren't nervous at all. Is that because it's like 
you know, I'm just a fill-in guy. If I lose, who cares? If I win, this is unbelievable. Was it almost like, you know, you couldn't lose even if you lost? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It was a, it was a win-win for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, me being an athlete and being competitive my whole life, I would definitely care if I lost. And even though if it was last minute, I I still would care personally. And I still would feel like I left my family down, my trainers down and all that stuff. But, but I just felt like the pressure, a little bit of the pressure was definitely alleviated off. It was just, you know, relieved off my shoulders and I, I didn't have to feel that that intense pressure like i i feel pressure that was one of the reasons i retired just because that pre-fight feeling and that that pressure that you get is it sucks it's the worst feeling ever afterwards it's great after you fight but before it's it's awful and i and i hate that feeling so it was it definitely was a night and day compared to my other fights um i still had to worry but it wasn't wasn't anything big yeah wasn't it dan henderson who said like he basically it's like almost like the opposite of Mike Tyson. Like he didn't, he got nervous, then he got punched in the face, and then he was ready to go. Like he had to get hit first before he got ready. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, when you're in there, once the once the bell rings, it's tunnel vision, and then you don't feel anything. I mean, I just I just go on right. muscle memory, and you're instinct at that point. But leading up to it, it's 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 quite another story. But yeah, I guess Danerson's right. Once you get punched in the face, it's that especially then. Then it's just <laughs> you're in for business. Yeah. <clears throat> So Kimbo, obviously, does he think he's fighting Shamrock, and then he gets notified before you, after you, or you don't even know when he was notified? Um, no, they they asked him about I think Frank Shamrock, Frank Shamrock first. Uh, Frank Shamrock, I don't know what his deal. I think he was thinking about it at the time, or he was back and forth with it, and that's when they asked me. Um, they asked me if I would do it first. Then they went to Kimbo and says, "Okay, we got Seth Petrozelli. He wants to fight. Do you want to fight him?" He knew nothing about me, so he wanted to see video real fast or no, learn about me. So I guess he, I heard, I heard that he researched, like he looked me up real fast or YouTube me, saw some of my fights, and asked for, I don't know, I, I think I heard that he asked for more money or something like that as well or something. But, uh, but yeah, he was told after me. After I said okay, they went to him and asked how he felt about it. Frank Shamrock, the commentator that night, <laughs> they're asking him too. Wow. How crazy is that? They go to the commentator and ask him if he wants to fight. They needed somebody or the, you know, that was their headliner. So yeah. they, had, they had to do something, obviously. Uh, was your was your fight going to be a heavyweight fight? Your other fight, the pre-card fight, was it a light heavyweight? Because you're only, what, 205 and a half? I was 205. Yeah, I was 205 and a half. Um, it was, yeah, it was a light heavyweight fight. And Kimbo, I think he, what, he was 235 or 245, one of the two. Yep. yep. So, yeah, so I was definitely a lot lighter. But I, that was never an issue for me. I, I made my whole career out of fighting bigger guys. Like my, all my fights were, everyone was always 20, 30 pounds heavier than me, which I liked cause I was faster than, than them usually. So I, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I feel like some of the like smaller guys, not really smaller, but they like being the quicker guy rather than the stronger guy. Cause they sure. feel like they can get a few shots. And obviously Kimbo felt that, that, that you know yeah. what I mean? He, he, you got, got him before he could even touch you. Right. I mean, strength obviously is, is a great asset to have, but when you have speed and I mean, at that point, when you're that, when you're heavy like that, like over 200 pounds, I mean, you got enough strength. If you're punching correctly, you have enough strength to knock out anybody. So, I mean, uh, you know, at a certain point it's kind of overkill. You're just killing your speed at that point. So, you know, you want to have a good balance of speed and strength. And once you're big enough, you're going to have the strength. You just need to work on that speed, you know, at least how I feel. That's how I feel about it. So did you know of Kimbo? I mean, obviously he's the main eventer. He's a legend, but did you like study him? Did you watch him? Or were you just like, ah, he's just a street fighter. He has no talent as far as MMA. Like, what did you think about him? Yeah, no, I never thought that. I mean, I always had res- anybody that fights, I have respect for and stuff like that. But I mean, I remember when I opened my, well, okay. So this is before I opened another gym before the jungle uh, for a couple of years when I was on the season, ultimate fighter. 
as soon as I got off that, I opened a gym called Knockout Fitness for a couple of years. And that was at the time when Kimbo just started blowing up and getting huge. So I remember as soon as we opened the gym, we would like watch all his YouTube videos and like be like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. And then we, and then we would go and train and stuff like that. So, I mean, I didn't have feelings one way or the other about him. I knew he was, a, I think he had great hands and he was a good boxer and he could, he could punch for sure. So I definitely had respect for him and I respected his hands, but my whole game plan going into it was, to, to, to shoot and take him down and just, you know, use my jujitsu and, and ground and pound. But it didn't get that far, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. It's funny too with him, like, you know, like everybody used to watch those videos. He's got like this presence or he had this presence. He had this charisma, but he did have those good hands. So it's like, man, this guy's a pretty good boxer. Maybe not MMA fighter, but he's a good boxer. Yeah. Which is why that's why I was glad that he went to boxing afterwards. I thought, I felt he should have done that from the beginning where he was. Yeah. Know, had, the, had time to progress, you know, with his age and stuff like that. He, I think he should have started with that. Yeah, especially since, not that he had, like, great training or whatever, but he's more accustomed to boxing. You Then you got to almost start over with MMA because then you got to work your ground game. You got to always worry about being taken down. Right. And, and he should have went to boxing. It's probably yeah. made more money, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, de- definitely would have made more money. <laughs> that's that's a no-brainer. <laughs> So when uh, Jimmy Lennon Jr., you know, the elite XC, he's doing the announcing, he, he announces your name and stuff. Not even nervous then either. Not even, you're just, you're just tunnel vision. You're like, all right, here we go. I'm Jimmy the- Lennon Jr. Like, I'm in the main event. Here we go. Yeah. Um, Once I did that, I was like, oh, it's time to shine. Like, just, just have some fun. That's why, I, like, you couldn't see it because they zoomed in the camera on me and stuff like that. But I was like, w- when we did our face off, I was looking at his biceps and I was like, almost like comparing his arms to mine. Like, I was just goofing off, kind of just having yeah. a good time and stuff like that. And, and then I went to touch gloves. He didn't. So I was like, all right, now, now it's, now it's on. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I was just having a good time. Uh, a little, but it's part of his image. Cause after, I mean, everyone's got to play the game before it's how you act in the back room in the locker room. And, and that's how I kind of judge your character, your true character. Um, and he was always cool. After the fact, he was cool to me. He's like, yo dog, you gave me my first black guy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right, cool. Thanks. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, after afterwards, he was really cool. His crew and his his posse, not so much, uh, but he was cool. So with that fight, when he comes at you, kind of, you know, a little bullheaded, almost a little, little bit down. He's, he's I don't know, he's he's almost like, not not disrespecting you, but it's almost like he's just going to be the aggressor. He's just going to go, go right after you. He was you, trying to bully me, for sure. Yeah, ex- exactly. So you, you throw the kick, obviously, to create some distance. Yeah, the whole point. I mean, I always throw my push kick. I mean, if you watch a two or three other my, more of my fights, I kind of do the same thing. I'm in a southpaw stance. I raise my right knee or a raise or, or a push kick or something like that, and then I just sit, sit my hip down. And I throw my right hand, but it's it's my strong hand. But I'm in a southpaw position when I throw it. Yep. So I mean, it's kind of I, I I do that punch all the time, and I remember him like you said. He was crouched low. I don't know if you could see me or not, and he was he was yes, kind of yes. he was dipping to roll, and yep. I dipped to roll. Literally, this is sounds funny, but you know, he's known for his beard. The only thing I saw when he rolled and started to come up, I saw his beard just kind of like lift. And I, as I was up in one foot, I was like, Oh, beard. And I just knew chin was under that beard. So I just throw it at his, at his beard. And I just clipped him on the very end of that beard or his, or his chin and yep. just, just knock him off balance, you know, and, and fall down. And then I was just like, I knew he got knocked down. I knew if I just stayed on him and just kept punching, kept punching, kept punching, the ref would eventually pull me off. So that's all I thought of is my head is as soon as he hit his knees, I was like, just punch, just don't stop punching. Don't stop punching. And then the ref just finally, you know, pulled me off. (laughs) 
he had cut him open pretty good. But that was a great shot. At first, when I, I remember watching it, and like at, at first you're looking at it, you're like, how did he get him? What did he get him with? But Shamrock knew. He's like, he got him with that right hand. Yeah, so yeah. when they put it on slow motion, I mean, you got a perfect right. shot. It's but when you're clip. watching it at first, you, you don't even notice because they, they're showing it from his back. So you almost don't see it. And then when they show the other camera shot, you're like, oh, damn, he got him good. Yeah, you see. Because half the people, I guess, didn't see that. They're like, you didn't hit him with anything. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm like, if you watch it from the angle, you see where I hit him. I'm like, I clip his chin. (laughs) I hit him (laughs) for sure. Yeah, a buddy of mine who's a conspiracy theory nut. Oh, God. But he's like, oh, I don't even uh, I think Kimbo took a dive. I was like, I don't know if you're going to take a dive and take a shot like that. You know, (laughs) Well, even still, what would be the whole point? People say that. I'm like, what would be the what's what's the positive that comes out of that dive? Like, why? A a whole Elite XE folds. He gets paid less. He looks like why? What even would be the point of that? Like, it just makes no sense. He so. said, he goes, oh, Kimbo probably bet on Seth or something on the fight. I'm like, <laughs> it's like I was like, well, why? It doesn't make sense because he kind of, you know, he hurt his, not hurt his image, but, you know, the unbeatable guy loses. Right, right, right. And I did have, speaking of betting, I've had people after that fight come up and tell me they, that I helped them pay them or I did pay their mortgage off for them. A couple people told me that, which is kind of crazy. Wow. I wonder what, do you remember what the odds were? I have no idea. I, I still this day I didn't know what the I have no idea what the odds were. But well, if you're paying off a mortgage, that means yeah. they put down you know a decent amount, and yeah. it's a huge odds probably. Yeah. I was like, how would you cut me some of that for uh, for helping you out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Why don't they give you some of that? Yeah, that would. My that would make deal sense. was the deal was done on a on a napkin. Actually, that was my contract with Elite XC. They went in the back room. I don't think I ever told anybody this. They, uh, you know, they told me the the money and stuff like that, and they offered me the bonus. And then they're like, here, it's right here. And they wrote it down on a, they looked around, they found a piece of a, a tiny little napkin for a cocktail napkin, wow. wrote, wrote down the amount, signed it at the bottom and had me sign it at the bottom on a cocktail napkin. And that was our agreement for, for the fight. <laughs> wow. Crazy. That's, wow. That's crazy. Pretty and, that's sure. le- and that's legal, right? I don't know. I don't know how legal that is, but I, I didn't know what else to do. I was just going up and I was like, uh, okay. I didn't have representation. I just did it. And I was like, okay. I was just hoping that they wouldn't screw me over. Yeah, that's oh my god, that that's crazy because it's almost yeah. like, well, are you guys really going to pay me? Because <laughs> I've signed it on a napkin, right? They paid me. <laughs> yep. Did you get a bonus? I did get a bonus. Yes, a knockout bonus. Yes. <laughs> now, what was the controversy with like Jared Shaw and him saying like you said like keep it standing or he said keep it standing? What was what was that about? No. It was just, it was just essentially that, I mean, they, they didn't hint. I mean, I guess they kind of hinted. They didn't really hint. They were just like, look, we'll give you a knockout bonus. How's the knockout bonus sound? So they're just giving me an incentive to stand and trade because they're giving me a, they weren't giving me a submission bonus or a, a takedown bonus. They were giving a knockout bonus. So, I mean, I just took that as they want me to stand and trade and try to knock them out. <laughs> right. But and that I, wasn't you- my game plan. I threw that. I said, okay, that's cool. I looked at my corner and he's like, shoot. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> Why did the game plan change? For me? Yeah. Oh, no. The game plan the whole time for me was was to shoot. To, oh, in the fight, just because I'm going to react to whatever happens in the fight. And I saw when I saw that beard raise, I'm, I'm going to throw my hands no matter what. So I was going to throw the kick to keep him away so I can get distance to either wrap up or shoot in or something like that. Um, but it just the opportunity presented. I saw this beard lift, and I was like, I just threw my hand and hope I could connect, and I, and I hit. <laughs> so and those those looping rights. I mean, you got him good. Obviously, he was so dazed. He actually, I don't know if you remember this, but he tries to take down the ref. 
they had it. Know that until way after, and it was and because the camera didn't show it really either during yeah. the fight. I don't think. Yeah. So somebody somebody sent me a clip. Or yeah, and there's pictures of him actually lifting him up. Right. Yep. <laughs> I believe all that. Yeah. Which is crazy. So. So for anybody that thinks like he took a dive or whatever, now the guy was legit knocked down, and and he thought the ref was you because was he, me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was that pretty just surreal? Like after it happens, because fourteen second knockout against this guy who you know they're they're pumping up to be like you know the next Mike Tyson or you know the next huge star. Was that just surreal for you? Yeah, I mean, very few people, and that was one of the reasons I fought for a living is to get that feeling that you get after you fight and that and that that. Uh, surge of emotion especially obviously when you win um but that was like you said it was a surreal moment where it's vividly locked in my head and it'll never go away that feeling of of knowing that it that i beat him and then running around the cage and just knowing what i kind of did that that night like it's just it's it's crazy and it set my whole rest of my life up you know um just with the, uh, the direction of my life which what way which way i was gonna go because you know i was i was contemplating retiring uh about halfway through my career and stuff like that. And then as soon as I did that, it reinvigorated, re-energized me, I guess you could say, like got my mind set back on fighting. And, and I went, you know, another, what, like five or six years after that with fighting when I could have been done. So, um, so yeah, it, it was a big, definitely a huge impact in my life and it, and it, and it directed me in a certain way for sure. And you said he was cool afterwards. He wasn't mad or anything like that. I mean, if, I mean, fight game at the fight game. Yeah, no, he was cool. Kimbo was cool the insults and the spit that was thrown at my brother and, and significant other at the time was not cool, but that wasn't him. That was just the people that were around him and stuff. <laughs> I feel like they probably let too much of his crew control the back. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely right. I had to have uh, an escort for it was four cops that night out in, in South Florida. So they escorted me the whole, the whole night. Like I had a bodyguard, cop bodyguards the whole night <laughs> while we went wow. out and stuff. So his crew was more of a sore loser than than he was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He we we hugged it out in the back, and he was re- he was really cool. Well, I mean, what what is he to me? To like, what is he supposed to do? He yeah. Agree. He agreed to fight you. You yeah. did exactly what you know Jared Shaw and Kimbo wanted to do. You stood up with them and stood up in there exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They can't yell at me because I did. They I did essentially what they really wanted me to do: stand and trade. So. Do you? Do you think you being like the you know the last minute replacement of late like which he almost didn't have enough time to say like oh this guy's got a lot of power or do you think he's like oh he's a two hundred five guy I don't know I'm going to be able to you know take his shots like what like do you ever think about that like he was probably thinking you don't uh, hit that hard and then he's like shit this guy hits real hard <laughs> yeah no I mean I, I I just think that he was put on the spot too like he what, he couldn't say no like he would I mean essentially you can't say no like really they have control over they can be like oh you either fight or Maybe not Kimbo, I guess. They could say, you know, screw off. But most of the time, it's like, look, last minute fight. Sorry, either take it or we're not going to be happy with you in the future. And we're going to give you another crappy fight in the future or not use you again. So that's one crappy thing about with the UFC. It was either, you know, they presented you with fights. And you if you didn't want to take them, you felt bad saying no because they, you felt like it was going to tarnish your, your name and that they were going to hold that against you in the future, you know? So to a point you got to say yes no matter what so oh dana white would never do something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh he's still doing it now with the, the heavyweight champion of the world right he's still doing it yeah it's it's i love dana like he did a lot for me and he was actually a really nice person to me when like when i was fighting and stuff like that I was 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 always 
respectful and nice and talked afterwards. It was really cool and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, I guess a business guy myself, I can understand some of the things he does, but other things, you know, it's come on, <laughs> have some yeah. fucking, oh, sorry. I don't know. My bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, have Absolutely. some, you know, have some respect for the fighters and they're, they're out there doing it, making you money. Like, <laughs> With Kimbo, obviously, you know, he moves on. He actually became a pretty big star in, in Bellator years later. Even in UFC, of course, too, he became a big star. It did definitely hurt his drawing power, but he, people were still interested in him. You know, so it wasn't like the end, but it was definitely a high point for you, right? Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, he went on the Ultimate Fighter after me. He had a big career in Bellator after me. So, yeah, I don't think it – I just think that it made people realize that he's human and he can be beaten. that – they weren't maybe as afraid to, to step in the ring and do stuff with him, but, and it made him work harder to get that, the image back, yep. I guess you could say, but, but yeah, I think it was just a little, little hiccup in his career, to be honest. It really wasn't a big deal. Um, but for me, yeah, it was the, it was definitely the high point. Well, career wise, it was the high point, but personally wise, it wasn't my, my, my favorite fighter, the fight that I remember the most for me personally, I guess. Um, what is? It was, uh, it's a draw between Dan Severn and Rico Rodriguez, I guess, because Dan Severn was the first big name that I, that I fought and beat that I watched when I was a little kid, not a little kid, but younger, like, you know, 11, 12 years old when I was still doing, you know, just karate and stuff. And I saw Dan Severn in the UFC doing this stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are amazing. They're, they're beasts. Uh, they're, they're killers. And then to fight him all those years later, I had somewhat, a lot of respect for him and, he made a, an amazing speech after the fight, like kind of passing the torch to my generation of fighters. Um, so that was a big impact. That was huge for me. And then Rico Rodriguez too, because I saw him when I was younger too, being the UFC champ and never thinking that one day that I'd fight him. Uh, and then and then actually getting, I was really, really nervous and had a lot of stress for that fight. Um, and then to overcome all that and to beat him too was a, was a huge a huge milestone for me as well. So both those fights. And that was your Bellator debut, right? Uh, Rico was, yes. Yeah. What did you think of like just the difference of Bellator and the elite XC UFC? Is it all the same to you or is it all completely different? Um, I mean, as far as like how they treated the athletes and stuff like that, it was, they're all pretty much the same. I, I guess you could say, um, uh, pay wise, I, I, I was happy with what Bellator did for me. I was, I was really happy. I didn't think that Bellator would, would take care of me how they did. And they did. Um, so that was, that's great on Bellator, <laughs> but as far as like how they treated me and the athletes and stuff like that, it's Bellator and UFC for sure are definitely comparable to each other. Yeah. That's all the same. How, how did you get in Bellator at this point? Was that Bjorn Remney running it and did Bjorn, he kind of recruit you? I think that was, no, who was, who was before, was it Bjorn? Man. Before Coker was Bjorn. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was Bjorn. That's right. It was Bjorn. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember, I don't recall exactly how I got into, uh, how I got in. <laughs> I don't know if it was my, uh, my, um, cause I really didn't have a manager ever. I mean, I had people that like, like, Hey, I know Seth, I can get you in contact with him. Right. So, but I, uh, I, don't, I don't recall how I got in with Bellator, to be honest. Cause then you come back and you're part of the, the light heavyweight tournament when they were really pumping up their tournaments. Actually, they kind of, really still do them today but right. back then it was a little bit different with the way they would do the and run the tournaments yeah that was crappy man yeah I'm, jacob noe and king mo right yeah i'm so disappointed in myself for that i felt so 
I mean, I don't know if you watched. I never watched the fight afterwards, but I knew I was beating the crap out of him. And then my knee was, I've always had issues with my knees. And I knew if I, like, looking back, I just feel like I kind of gave up in there, which is really crappy of me to say. And it's it's a cowardly of me to say. But, like, I know I could have fought through the pain and just and stood up and, and kept fighting because I was, I mean, I was winning the fight. And I just remember taking that shot and just feeling that electric sensation zapped through my knee like all the way down like my body and i was like uh it's not worth it. i kind of more thought it wasn't worth it to keep getting more injured in doing this than, than than anything i guess you could say so i don't know that was just a that was a down point in my career for sure and then the fight right after where i just really was on the outs of my like i didn't really want to fight anymore and to have that knockout from king mo was just an eye opener even though it put me to sleep it was an eye opener right uh, <laughs> that I didn't want to be doing this anymore. My health was too important for to keep doing this for for the money that was involved. What did you think about King Mo just in general? Great athlete. Oh well, yeah, I love King Mo, man. He's a cool guy, super cool, amazing athlete. Yeah, for sure. But I know he was afraid when we fought, though. <laughs> really? You don't? Oh yeah, I could tell. Like, I know how how confident people are when they, when they fight and stuff like that. But there was something when I fought him, like he was extremely nervous to go against me. Like he was always like, he would talk big, but then he would be like to everyone else. But then to me, he'd be like, kind of like, I don't know. I just get that vibe when, when I talk to people like, okay, I, I respect you. And I don't want to like go hard with you. I want to just do, I just want to take you down and be done with it. So I, I got that vibe off him a lot, which made me confident. <laughs> and then, uh, and then lo and behold, he knocks me out anyway. So, <laughs> hmm. Maybe he saw that Kimbo fight with a little I, chinny about it. I guess I, I I don't I don't know, but uh, but I was just being lazy, like playing playing on the bottom, put my hands behind, feeling where the cage was, and then just that split second where I felt behind me where that because I was feeling for the cage and lightning. I didn't even see it coming. I have no idea. I don't remember anything. I remember being on back and then being in the back room, and that's all I remember. Um, yeah, and kind of like a dream state when I was in the back. I thought I was dreaming, and then I came to in the back, and I was like did I just fight? Like I asked my corner and he said, yeah, you just fought. I was like, like overcome with emotions. I started crying. I was like, wait, what, what? I, I freaked out. Kind of had like a panic attack. Cause I didn't realize I just fought and they're telling me I just fought. I was like, there's no way I just fought. So it was a, it was a scary feeling and I didn't want to have that feeling again ever. So, um, and like I said, it was my health. So I didn't, it wasn't worth it to me. That's gotta be pretty scary though. Is that like a concussion? Like wh what, what was going on? Yeah. Nah, I talked, I went to, I, I mean, I've been going to doctors ever since I retired just to make sure everything's okay. I always get, I'm a hypochondriac too. That doesn't help, but, <laughs> but I always, I always make sure that everything's, everything's okay. I was getting migraines for, for a while, which was kind of worrying me, but 10 MRIs later, I'm, I'm okay. Like I just always I check just to be sure, but um, they slowly dissipated and went away. Um, but yeah, that, that knockout was 100%. It was a concussion. Yeah. So I was just having post concussion, concussion syndrome. Uh, and uh, that's what that was when I was having like a dream state. Like, yeah, you have like a, you can go in and out of like reality when it, when it comes to that. It's, it's spooky. <laughs> it's weird. Was your corner like worried at all? Like that you were kind of, you know, not remembering stuff? Um, A little bit, Uh, but they, they're fighters. So they don't, how much can they be really? I mean, they kind of know what, what, what's going on. Like, yeah, he's just knocked out. Of course he's going to be confused and stuff like that. But I'm more concerned about it than they are. So. I made sure, like, you know, when I went home, I got went to the doctor and got everything checked out and stuff like that. So everything was good. Everything was fine. It was just a really bad concussion. And you knew right then and there, I'm retired. I'm done. 
Yeah, I mean, I had feelings beforehand. Like, going into the Jacob Noe fight, I was thinking about it. And then, especially after the King Mo fight, I was I was like, yeah, this is this is it. And I remember people telling me, well, don't, don't do it so fast. Maybe take some time to think about it. But in reality, I've been thinking about it for six to eight months already before my last two fights. So I was like, yeah, it's... The gym's doing good. Like I'm making decent money at the gym. I can still speak somewhat clearly and remember things. So I'm, <laughs> I want to call it quits now. Did Bellator want to bring you back? Cause it seems like you got, you know, obviously name value. So did, did yeah. they want you to come back? Yeah. I still technically have a fight under contract with them. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's expired now, but yeah, I still had one fight left and you know, they asked me to, but I was like, no, I'm sorry. I just, I can't. Do you think uh, you ever think about getting back? Not really now, but do you ever cross your mind like, hey, man, I, c- I think I could still do this one last yeah. time? I mean, I, I've done, you know, I've done my fair share of grappling tournaments and stuff like that. And this sounds corny, but I, I started doing my traditional karate tournaments again where I compete in like kata. Because the, the competition bug never goes away. You always want to do something and compete. Um, I mean, that's kind of why I got into wrestling, pro wrestling afterwards, just because I love that feeling of being in the ring and and competing and doing, and, you know, and showing my stuff, showing what I know, showing the beauty of the art that I do, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's always in my mind. Every time I coach my students and they go in the cage for amateur fights, I'm like, damn, I wish I was in there doing it, but I know, I just know better. I know it won't be worth it. So, right. Um, I get my fill from, from kind of watching them, but also from competing in like the amateur things now, like the grappling and the, some of the super fight things that I get paid for and, and the, uh, the grappling super fight matches and also the, the karate competitions that I'm doing now with pro wrestling. You mentioned pro wrestling. How'd you get into that world? Like, how did you get in? Like, did you actually train to be a wrestler or like, what, like what did that entail? No, I mean, maybe like throughout my whole MMA career, I did one or two wrestling matches just as like special guest that jumps in the ring and does something ridiculous. Um, but, uh, my really good friend, Josh Woods, um he was he was on was wrestling for nxt um and they're located here in orlando which is it's right down the street from the jungle from my gym um and they told him because they knew he was he did mma with me they told him they're looking for a coach to come and teach some kickboxing and jujitsu because they want to um you know make make their athletes know what they're doing you know in the case in the ring so it looks like they know what they're doing yes so he's like yeah i have a guy in mind and he told me he told me to call him up give him a resume and literally like two weeks later they had me they had me teaching like four or five hours a day at nxt um with all the with all the talent and um so just from being there and seeing what they're doing i was like man i can do all this like i can do i can do this i can do this i can do this way better i can do this better so i was like oh i'll start i started getting into it and then just started um started uh practicing um and then just just started started taking matches um but then I realized with that, <laughs> I was like, okay, this isn't going to be as hard on my body like MMA. Man, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, wor- it's so much worse. Like, taking the bumps and the rattling in my head, my my headaches were getting worse. I was like, this sucks. I'm like, I can't believe it's this bad. Like, no way. So I, I stuck it out for like, you know, almost a, about a year, a little over a year. And then I was like, I can't, I can't do this. This is killing my body. I can't do this anymore. Huh. Uh so I kept, I kept, I kept teaching, but I stopped doing it. Um, and then they went in a different direction. I still go occasionally once in a while to hope pads for some of the guys. Um, and a lot of the guys train with me at the jungle and at the dojo. We have like big names, uh, like Shinsuke Nakamura is, is, a uh, he's testing in a week 
at my dojo at my karate dojo. He's training with me. Um, and a bunch of other guys are at, are at, uh, are at the jungle doing the jujitsu and stuff like that. So a lot of them still train with us and I still train them. Nice. And Shinsuke is pretty legit. He actually had some real MMA fights in Japan. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. He's a super, super cool guy. He's a really cool guy. When you were in like the performance center, like let's say, you know, you give your resume, are you meeting with triple H or are you meeting with Johnny Ace? Who are you meeting with? Yeah. I'm meeting with uh triple H. I actually wrapped triple H's hands for WrestleMania for, was it three WrestleManias ago? I was in the back room. They showed me for a second. I was like, Oh, I got my WrestleMania debut. <laughs> I was, I was oh, I was, awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was just really cool. Um, but yeah, that's why I, I, I met with him. Um, one of the guys that's no longer there, I, I met with too. He was like running the whole facility. Um, just Canyon Seaman. No. Oh man. I'm blanking out. William Regal. No, it wasn't Regal. No. Um, he wasn't a wrestler. He was just, he was just, a just an employee that, that, okay. that, 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 that they, uh, I met with him and stuff. So, um, Bloom, coach Bloom. Yep. Uh, Bloom was there. Uh, I met with him. Um, he was really cool. He's the one that actually said, yeah, you're the guy. Let's do this type thing. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And the guy, everybody there was like super nice and cool. I got yelled at a couple of times for going in the ring and doing some crazy, crazy things. That I was trying to work on. Cause I, in between the, the hour long classes, there was like sometimes 15, 20 minutes break. So I would just go in the ring and do some, like, I was trying to do like backflips and stuff like that. Then they're like, Seth, what are you doing? Like, you don't have the, you don't have clearance to be in there. Get out of there. I'm like, all right, sorry. But I was trying my stuff out too. I don't think they were happy that I was teaching them and trying to be a wrestler for other organizations at the same time, I guess. So, yep. yeah, they weren't very happy about that. But who the hell's yelling at you? Triple H? Who the hell's no, yelling at you? Coach Bloom. He was on oh, there's, okay. there's a loudspeaker that goes to the whole place. So he's in his back office seeing, like, seeing me on camera and he's like, cut it out. Stop doing that. I'm like, oh, damn it. All right. Now it's funny. Um, Talking to Boss Rudin a while back, he was saying, because he did pro wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they got him to do some pro wrestling. You know, legendary MMA guys, the Japanese always do that. They right. get you to do some pro wrestling. They probably give you a shit ton of money. But he said, he goes, literally, he goes, I had to stop doing it. He goes, it was harder than MMA. I mean, he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. Right. He goes, pro wrestling was harder. He goes, it was killing my body. So it's funny you said that, because even Boss was saying that, and, and he was only doing it part-time. Yeah. It's true. Like you never, you never think because you know they're like, oh, you're not really getting hit. I'm like, bull crap. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're really pretty much getting hit. And and just for me, it was like the whiplash, mo the the movements, like anything that just made my head go back. No, 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 bueno. So that's that was the big thing, and it was just not so much my joints, my body. I, I can take that stuff. It's just the the brain stuff and the head stuff. You know, I don't I don't like that stuff so much anymore. So that's what was hard on me. And they always say gravity is real. Like the the falling really does happen. Yeah, it really happens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did you think like okay at, at first? Did you think like okay, I'm going to be here for a while, or like what did like what was the thought process of actually working there? Did you think it's like a part time gig? You're going to be there for a while. Like what was, or maybe somewhere in between? Yeah, I mean, I was hoping it was going to be a full time thing. I mean, they they pay me really good, um, and it was a full time thing. I mean, hourly wise, I guess you could say part time, but. uh but yeah, they had like they bought all sorts of equipment. They spared no expense with all the heavy bags and the pads and everything they need. They're like, "What do you need?" And I'm like, "Well, I could use this." And they they got everything. So um, they were really really wanting to push it and do it. And what what happened end up happening in the end is um, I would teach this stuff to them like really good. But the the talent was like half of them were really into it, really wanting to learn it. 
the other half were like, why, why are we doing this? Why the hell are we doing this? This isn't our thing. Like, why are we doing this? So it was, wasn't up to me what they did in the ring, if they used my stuff or not. So if they didn't see them using, I think they just saw not a lot of them using what I was teaching them. So they're like, is this even worth it type thing? I guess you could say. Um, so I was like, that's not my fault. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not the one that's telling them what to do in there. Like if I had that power, I would tell them, I'm like, do this, do this, try, try a slip, try a, try a hook here or something, you know, something, but that's not me. So it makes it look more legit, more real doing exactly. some of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole, that was the whole point of them doing that with me. And then they wanted the talent to show it in the ring and they just weren't doing it. So ultimately they said they don't think it's worth, worth keeping this program, the kickboxing and jujitsu program around, I guess. What did they call you though? Striking coach or what was Strike, like the striking coach? Yeah. It was just a striking coach. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that just to me it's like, wow, that's you wouldn't think of it, but then you're like, Yeah, that actually is a great idea if if they could execute it properly. If they could execute it, exactly. And some of them were. Some of them were like, Hey, just so you know, in my match I did this and this and this. I'm like, Oh, you did? Like, yeah, I did a wound and then a leg kick and then a high kick. And I was like, Oh, that's badass. That's really cool. But the other ones, I guess, just had their own shtick, had their own way of wrestling, and they just didn't do it. Who was some of the students like that you can remember? I know you said Nakamura and stuff, but who else was some of your students? Man, Liv Morgan, uh, Becky Lynch, um, man, all the guys. Well, some of them that aren't there anymore. Like Simon Gotch was one that was huge. That was that really like he actually joined the gym afterwards and started training with me and stuff like that. Yeah, he's legit, right? He's got yeah. he's got a skill set for that. Yeah, uh, Corbin. Um, oh man, now I'm blanking on on what's his name. Um, this, uh, the guys. I'm sorry, I don't follow it anymore. So the soft guys. Jersey guys. Oh man. Oh, uh, big cast and Enzo yes. Mori. Thank you. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. They were they were there. Um I'm trying to think who I said Becky Lynch. Uh, I mean there's there's a lot of people. I mean, all the guys that you see there now, <laughs> I guess you could say. How was Becky though? Like, did she take to it? She liked it? Becky loved it. She actually did jujitsu as well, uh, at my gym after for a while too. Before she moved, yeah. She trained she trained her butt off for in jiu-jitsu and kickboxing. Yeah, she was really good. Wow, look at her now. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. So, like, obviously, the people that are into it, are they letting it known, like, that it's working? Or are they? it's just not one of those systems where, you you, you know, you tell Triple H or whatever, this is great. Like, yeah. do they do that? I didn't really have that kind of access every day to Triple H for I was like, hey, just so you know, they're doing this. But in the end, I did. I was like, look, I'm, I'm teaching them this. I'm telling them this. And I told them who's who's responding and who's not responding. <clears throat> I said some of them even come to me and say they don't want to do this. And I tell them that. I'm like, look, these guys tell me they don't want to do it. I'm like, I, I don't know what you want me to do. I mean, force them? I, I will, but <laughs> I need to yeah. tell me what, what, what you want me to tell them to do. So, Do you pay attention to current like wrestling and stuff? Like, Do you know Triple H is kind of not really in the performance center anymore? He's not really doing NXT? Have you following that? No, I haven't been following any of that. No. I've been uh, so... And so in my own world, when it comes to the dojo and stuff like that, not even MMA, like when it came to Felicia's last fight, that was about the last MMA thing that I've, uh, I've been around and even, even, even looked at, to be honest. What fight was it? Uh, I didn't even go to her last fight. <laughs> oh, uh, it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago where she retired. I don't even remember the name of her opponent. Um, she beat her ass pretty bad though. <laughs> I know that. But that was the whole point because I was I was training at the dojo, so I didn't get to train with her at all for her fight. So obviously, I wasn't going to go out there and corner her when I wasn't right. part of her camp or anything like that, which I felt bad for. But 
Um, but yes, she kind of had the same feeling I did with retirement with, she wasn't feeling it was worth anymore with the damage and stuff. She said she's been in a few wars and which she definitely has. <laughs> um, so, uh, she wanted to make sure her health was number one priority. Is that a problem with some MMA fighters? They don't know when to retire. Yeah. I, sadly, I, I see that a lot. I mean, I don't know how they, how they are like when they're not fighting and in their, in their personal lives and stuff like that and how they, or how they get about, but I don't know how they can take so much punishment and be, be, be like normal and, and okay. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, apparently some of it's, definitely genetic and 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 who knows some people might not get hit in the right spots is hard but i just don't know how some of the fighters can can keep going with these long-ass careers and so many fights and just and be okay um i mean unless we're going to see some of the damages later on i don't know but um it's just me too i'm a warrior so i'd rather just be safe than sorry and and not have to worry about it but even though i am i'm definitely worried about later consequences of what i did to my body for 15 years you know so um don't and, know. You, and you did some kickboxing too, right? Some K1? Some K1, yeah. Um, well, luckily for the K1, I didn't really get hit that hard. It was just me gassing out the whole time. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. It was me traveling, I guess, the, to Japan those couple of times where the Bob Sapp one was good because it was fast and easy and it wasn't that bad. And I threw my, I got a pinched nerve in my arm, which is ridiculous. Um, but I didn't really get hit by him at all. Um, but the last two after that, I just felt like I just, totally gas and my cardio was on point it's amazing but it's just one minute in i felt like i did like 10 miles i was so i was so winded it was it's crazy i don't know what what that was about and i've never had that feeling before um that jet lag they were saying sometimes going to japan for some reason you got to be there for a week and then you get acclimated but i don't know if that's true or not i don't know it, it didn't it didn't happen for me that's for sure <laughs> it was bad really bad how did they get you into K1 though? Just they they just recruited you in. They saw another, you in your no, another last minute thing, man. Like I was laying in bed. It was ten o'clock at night. I got a call from uh, Chris Cordero. He was actually, I guess you could say he was my manager for for a couple of fights beginning early on in my career. Um, and he's like, hey, he's like, I got this huge opportunity. You want to fight Bob Sapp? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> he's like, they had a last minute dropout in Japan. <laughs> Somebody was supposed to fight Bob Sapp, and and they can't. So. They asked me because they knew uh, that he's friends with a lot of the Japanese people or something like that. Um, yep. UK one, so he called me. He's like, "Do you want to do it? This is the, this is what they're offering you." I'm like, "Can I negotiate?" And they're like, "Nope." He's like, "It's either yes or no." I'm like, "Yes," <laughs> and that was that. They were happy that I stepped up last minute, and they offered me a couple more fights after that because of that. Wow, another last minute job for you. Wow. Yeah, well, but this is first. Well, but last, yeah. like it was like a week's notice or something like that. But still. To go to Japan on a week's notice is kind of, it's kind of last minute. Yeah, and this is Bob Sapp in his prime, pretty much. I mean, years later, and I even interviewed yeah. him, and he basically said he took dives for years yeah. just for just for the money. It's like, just for money. man. But this is when he was like not not losing at all. Yeah, and and beating Ernesto Hoos twice in a row, he killed him like yeah. the best kickboxer ever, and he's destroying him. I know that's crazy. Man, I don't know. It's funny. I guess maybe he got too big, too popular, was doing all those game shows and video games and, and TV commercials and all that stuff in Japan. I guess that got to his head where he's like, oh, I don't want to get injured. Right. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, and you can't blame a guy for that, but you can blame him for going out there. Even If that's the case, then just retire and be done. Don't go out there and disgrace the sport and take dives. That's awful. Yeah, he definitely took a, a bunch of dives. And yeah. it's funny, Sam Greco, obviously legendary kickboxer, like stop training him. He's like, I'm not training. If you're not going to take it seriously, I'm not training you. What's the point? Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. 
But were you scared of him at all? Were you nervous of him? Just just the 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 look of him, I would be like, oh my god, damn, I'm gonna get killed. Again, I don't know if it's just me liking the feeling of going against somebody bigger and like supposed to be a big badass that's heavier than me. That that doesn't get me nervous. It just makes me feel like pumped and wanting to go. Like, cause I would for him too. I, I was nervous, but not not like I was for all of my other fights. Um, yeah, no, I was pretty confident going out there. I was like, yeah, he's good, but he's slow, and I could outmaneuver him and yeah even though the ring was smaller than i thought uh but still was, wasn't that bad i was still doing great job circling and, and moving around and if it was mma he would have been he would have been done because i would have knocked him down on that first punch and then jumped on top of him <laughs> right right so as far as like ufc just kind of going back to that how did you get into ufc originally was it through the ultimate fighter yep season two of the ultimate fighter so they saw my dan Severn fight which was for yep. king page yeah uh, and then, you know, I submitted all my stuff and called me up, did all the crazy interviews they made you go through for all that. Um, and eventually, you know, got on the season. Were you on Rich Franklin's team? Rich Franklin, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, do the coaches have any real say in the show as far as, like, who they want on the team or is, or is somebody else really picking? Uh, no, no, they do. When we did, it was, you know, the sporadic picking where it was back and forth choosing at the time, but don't know they had a they had the full full choice it wasn't some behind the scene puppet telling them what to do it was them okay. sure, yeah who was the opposite coach that season was it shamrock no matt hughes oh okay okay yeah i feel horrible how what happened to matt it's awful yeah how is he doing now because i saw recently he did an autograph signing so is he better now is he doing okay better but not it's definitely like me and him hung out tons after the show and for years and years and years he did i had him come to my gym and do seminars and we were like really close like not really close but we were close like buddies <clears throat> where i could call him and be like hey i'm doing this doing this type thing and i went up to him this was maybe uh four years ago three four years ago in bellator he was sitting on the side and i was like hey hey matt what's that this is the first time i've seen him since the accident and he looked at me with his blank stare and he goes uh, who are you again? I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> oh wow. Hey, it's Seth. It's it's Seth, and and apparently he's been he's gotten better since since that, I guess, but not not all the way. Um, so I can't really say I haven't seen him in three years, so I don't know how it is now. But that's that was my last experience with him, and it was just it was heartbreaking to be honest. It was it was sad. Yeah, so you like stuff like that. I mean, you obviously even accidents can happen to fighters, but it's just crazy to see a yeah. guy that was that good, that on top of his game, had all those wins, all those fights, all those titles. Right. Yeah, you know, and look at him now. It's like and look at him now. Sad. Yep. So on that show, was it a good experience though? Because you're getting notoriety. That show is really popular. Like you, you know, you're getting a little bit of a FaceTime. Did yeah. you like being on the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, being on it was. I, mean, I would never do it again. Well, maybe I will now, but. For for ten years after, for eight years after, I said I'd never do it again. Um, but it was such a great experience, man. Like our season was, it wasn't as popular, I guess, because we we're all friends. We all know there was no drama in the house. We all hung out. We all freaking pulled pranks on each other, left and right. It was pranks all the whole time. It was so much fun. Um, and I still talk to you know some of the guys still today. Um, not as much as I used to, but we still we still keep in contact and stuff. Um, but no, it was an amazing experience. It was it was so much fun. Um, I didn't like the way they edited it and did stuff. There was so much on the show that we did that they didn't show. It's it kind of it's kind of crappy. I mean, I get a lot of it was probably a little too raunchy to be shown, but it was still funny stuff and good stuff that we did. But um, yeah, I wasn't too happy of how they edited edited the show. 
sometimes on on that show too like the editing was so obvious like it wasn't clean cuts you know what i mean so you knew something else happened there right yeah yeah it's it's crappy as far as kind of getting fights and getting you know on the show and stuff was it more important to win not lose or be fight of the night and get like get the attention of the guys and saying like oh who cares if he wins or loses this guy's gonna put on a great fight yeah dana really really cared about putting on the show for sure like i remember i remember him mumbling uh after i won my fight he's like i won the first two rounds were freaking awesome. I did a jump spinning back kick, knocked him and down. Like I did really cool stuff. And then the third round, I knew I had two wins in the two rounds in the bag. Third round, I, I dominated, but I just took it easy a little bit just because I was I was tired. I didn't want to get risk anything happening. I remember him leaning to the side and saying to somebody, "Yeah, it was good, but the third round was shit." I was like, "Damn!" I'm like, "I just won. Like, I mean, be happy. At least I won." But he was just wasn't happy that it wasn't exciting, you know. So it's like. It's better to be excited. It's better to win and be and be exciting. You can't just pull off a, a boring ground, uh, you know, grinder. He wants you to be exciting for sure. So it was definitely important to be exciting. <clears throat> Did you get any like FaceTime with him, like one on one time with him, or not really? During the show? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. During the show, yeah. Not not a lot, but he was always in and out of that. Like he'd come in, say something to us, and leave. And we had time to like go ask him questions if we had any questions or anything like that. But I didn't have much to say to him at the time, so it was. Not much, not much that we that we spoke with with him. I noticed that you know even now still, if somebody wins and it's a boring fight, he'll definitely like you could tell his displeasure yeah. with well what yeah. what happened like that that fight sucked like yeah yeah but it's like damn man I think we we, we want to keep our careers too because you know we lose two fights you're probably gonna cut us two or three fights we're gone so it's like we got to play it safe too we're thinking about our careers too so it's like you can't have everything. <laughs> Like even GSP will get, you know, what his decision win for a while, but he kept decisioning guys and winning. And, you know, Dana would get all like pissy about it. Oh, he doesn't want to fight these killers. And like, you know, he'll, he'll throw like lines out there about guys. It's just like, but he won and, he, and convincingly. So it, exactly. it's exactly right. Yeah. They got You got to have a good balance, I guess, to be exciting and, and, and win a fight. So you got to have everything. Which I get, you want it to be exciting for the audience to watch, but you got to also understand that we're trying to save our jobs too. And we can't, you can't risk losing by just trying to do something crazy and really cool looking because you're cut us. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's funny. It's one of the things was like, oh, but I had, it was a great fight. Yeah, but you lost again. You lost two in a row. You know what I mean? Or something. Yeah. yeah. So with the fight of the night, like, is that a big bonus or? I don't know how was it then to how it is now. I know I think now it's like fifty grand or something, but oh, the yeah. fight of the night bonus. It wasn't that what? much, but we got a bonus for sure. I think it was it was anywhere from ten to twenty. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't fifty, but still it was a good, it's a decent. Amount. I was happy with, for sure with the bonuses. Is he pulling a Jared Shaw from Elite XC and saying, "Hey, uh, how about a knockout bonus? You keep it on the feet." Did say no. stuff like that or no? No, that's never that's never happened. No, because there okay. was no. There was always a mix of there was always a submission bonus, knockout bonus. So there's you know yep. different ways to get your bonuses, not just by doing one thing. Which I feel like you know we'll be trying to lean your way, lean you into doing that one thing. What was the overall experience in UFC? I know Matt Hamill was was a good fight. Uh, obviously, he was pretty damn good. Like, what yeah. was the overall consensus on your time there? Uh, I mean. Happy that I fought for him, but disappointed in, in how I did. I was literally undefeated my entire career, 
seven or eight fights leading before that up to UFC. And then I just felt like once I got to the UFC, I just, I don't know if it nerves that took over or, or what it was, but I just felt like I just couldn't put on my best performance ever for any of the, any of the fight, any fights that I had. Um, so it was just a little bit of regret. I never, I always live my life and I always say that I, I live my life with no regrets, but if I had one, it's just to not give a little bit more for every one of my fights from the UFC because I was, I knew I had, was better than, than the fights. Cause I was, always winning or doing really good. And then I'll just putter out and just, and, lo and, and lose or not give up, but kind of give up, I guess you could say, which, uh, and I, I came to realize that like years later, like when I really looked back on it and I really like focused on, on my, my life and, and what I've done. And, and I kind of always thought to myself, why, why, why did I quit there? Why did I stop there? Like what really was the issue? And, and it was just, I don't know. I don't, I can't even answer that anymore. Like, or I never have been able to answer that of why I did. I just felt like I got to the UFC and that was my goal. And I should have had a, a bigger goal is to, <laughs> to win instead of just getting there, you know, lacking that killer instinct, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. 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 You can really say that, which is weird because in other fights I, I had that and, and I always think that I have that, but, but sometimes I'm just, and that's what made me think too, that, later on down the road like i just don't have that killer instinct anymore like i used to either um so maybe it's time to time to retire and be done with it because i'm i'm too nice of a person to want to like uh, have that killer instinct i guess you could say um but i don't know it's still something that i struggle with to this day to be honest like it's 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 something i was thinking about and i i, I look back on and i have this weird feeling in my stomach about it that that i kind of just gave up on some of my fights instead of pushing through and, and doing what i could have done so yeah. You regret like all that kind of stuff, like looking back, or are you are you getting better with it? Thinking like no, <laughs> like oh no, you're not getting better. Okay. No, I re I regret it for sure. Yeah, it's like well, what what you know where could I be now? I mean, I'm I'm extremely happy where I'm at now. I'm doing amazing financially. The gyms are doing great, but I just always look back and be like, well, what if I would have not <laughs> tapped here because it was kind of hurting my arm or my knee was kind of hurting or or this and that. You know, it's just like. What, 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 what could I have been, what could I have done, uh, where my life would be if I didn't do that? You know, I feel like a lot of fighters do that. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll get, um, they'll tap out from a real net and naked and next time they'll let the guy choke him out. Like, I feel like that always happens. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. maybe it's just a, a, a thing in the fighter where they're like, oh, I'm not going to let that happen to me again. And then they just pass out. It's like, probably should have just tapped again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. True. But I don't know. Some of the things I just felt like, like the knee thing with, with, with Noe and, and Bellator, like I, he didn't, wasn't hitting me with anything. I just shot and I just felt an electric sensation in my knee and could I have probably got up and fought? Yeah. But I just was scared and I was like, I don't want to hurt my knee anymore. So I'm, I'm, I gave up. And so that like it's things like that, that it's like, you know, <laughs> it could hey, maybe, maybe your brain is saving you. You know what I mean? Like saying, Hey, yeah. Hey, you know, don't get injured here. It's going to be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I should have, I should have said, "Shut up, Rain. Just, just keep, <laughs> just keep fighting through it." You was. Uh, so as we head, head towards the wind down, head towards the finish here. Do you better like um, light heavyweight or heavyweight? What do you prefer as far as uh, weight class? My entire first half of my career was heavyweight, and I was about two hundred forty pounds, two hundred forty-five pounds. Then I started doing a little more cardio, eating a little bit better, and um, I walked around at like two twenty. 215 to 225 i walked around that and then i cut the 205 um 
I don't know. I mean, I love fighting big guys, so I love fighting heavyweight because that was always always my thing. Because um, I would, like I said, I always felt faster. But um, I enjoyed my weight, my health better at you know at light heavyweight. And I was still fighting bigger guys a lot of times at light heavyweight because I would fight big heavyweight fights <laughs> as a light heavyweight. So um, I guess you could say heavyweight. It's funny. There's like a, a thing with smaller heavyweights. Not all of them, but like Fedor is not a huge heavyweight. Probably the greatest. Daniel right. Cormier was way better at heavyweight than he was at light heavyweight, even though he was great at light heavyweight. And he's a smaller dude. So it's something with the quickness. It helps. Yeah, it definitely helps for sure. What's your favorite discipline? I know you do BJJ, kickboxing, karate, wrestling. What's your favorite discipline? Favorite? I mean, I, I guess you could say karate because it was my my original, my true love. Like when I first, that's what got me into martial arts in the first place. When I walked into that dojo and, I never stopped since I was six years old. I, you know, I never stopped doing it. And even when I was fighting, you know, MMA professionally, I always still practiced my kata and I always did my traditional stuff in the background and, you know, and did that. So I just really enjoy the the mentality and the, and the discipline that it gives. Um, I'm not a spiritual person, but I guess you could call that a spirituality of it. I guess you could say like the roar of it and the feeling I get when I, when I do it, it's just a, it's just a lovely art. I, I love it for, for everything that it's given me and done for me. Um, so I guess you could say karate, but if not, um, BJJ is definitely a close second as far as like, um, you know, the reality base, you know, for, for, for fighting, I guess you could say BJJ for sure. Um, but then again, I love wrestling. I loved wrestling in high school. And when I wrestled in college, that was great too, because of all the athleticism and the discipline that it taught you too. So they're all great in their own way, but if I had to choose, it would be karate, I guess. <laughs> Now you said Severin Rico kind of tied for your favorite. Shockingly, Kimbo not the favorite. It's my favorite, but not yours. No, it's, yeah. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. It's I love what it did for me. It would be a third, <laughs> third. I guess. Right. Is there a fight that got away, like a dream fight that just didn't happen? You're like, oh man, I almost thought this guy should have happened. I had three fights scheduled with Ken Shamrock when Ken Shamrock was Ken Shamrock, <laughs> and they all wow, all fell through. We had. Posters made, fell through one fight. Some, I think he got hurt or something happened. And the other one, the, the whole organization just didn't went through or something like that. So it's like three misses for to fight Ken Shamrock. And we actually filmed like a couple commercials together. Like this was about six years ago or something like that. And uh, we've, been com we, we've been acquaintances and friends since the Kimbo thing happened. We were always like in contact, I guess you could say. Um, and then we were scheduled to fight and I was like, I'll, I'll fight you. Let's, let's do it. Like, yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely Ken Shamrock. I wish that fight, one of those three fights that I was supposed to fight him would have happened for sure. Oh, wow. Didn't even know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Island fights. I think it was called one. There was, there was a few different organizations that tried to put it together and for one reason or not or another, it just didn't happen. Now, before we let you go, give us all the plugs, social media, everything you got, and all three gyms. Sure. So the MMA gyms will just be jungleorlando.com, uh, or you can just go uh, Instagram is just uh, jungleorlando. Um, and then you got my karate school, which is karateoforlando.com, or Instagram karateoforlando. And then me personally, it's at silverbackseth on Instagram, or Twitter's at silverbackseth, but I'm mostly on Instagram, I guess you could say, for that, at silverbackseth. Nice. Awesome stuff, Seth. Thank you so much for all the time. And man, I still remember that Kimbo fight like it uh, like it was yesterday. That was unbelievable. But uh, awesome stuff, Seth. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. I had a good time. Thank
This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.